This is for uh, Professor, Mrs. Uh, Rosenfeld. In the case of Nussen, what kind of a vidui was this? He had, this was a trust of Hashem, but he had sinned against the rule. So is this a, a paradigm of how a vidui is supposed to say when you sin against a person? You're asking the bigger Um, it happens to be a very big problem, an issue. Of course, the idea is because not only the issue of uh, Batsheva and um, the issue of Uriachiti, um, but the uh, idea in the uh, Radak is that what he says is that you'll get punished. You'll have to go into Galut and terrible things will happen, but the immediate punishment of uh, death that would have to happen immediately uh, is not going to happen. He's not going to go to Gehinom. Meaning that's how the Radak explains it. So you will get your punished. You have to go into Galut. He's right. This is really a, right. This is a huge uh, topic, and Radak does discuss um, the issue, and a lot of the Parshanim right discuss the issue with Uriah It's just not the forum, but you're right. And Radak deals with the Chet Batsheva and the Chet uh, versus Uriah Hiti in, in, in different places and, and said that, you know, that was always, uh, you know, a stain that he does vidui, but he's really um, never completely forgiven for it, but he doesn't get um, the immediate punishment right away. So in that sense, vidui did work. Um, so this is for both. Um, what is the basis for the Rambam's incorporating vidui as an essential element of tshuva? Um, and looking at um, all the chataim that were done in the Midbar, and you have Moshe, who is our advocate, so to speak, and we have, you know, Hashem Hashem Kamrachim Rachanun, but you don't see the Jewish people doing vidui, you don't see them doing tshuva. And it almost seems as if the Rambam is using David as a paradigm of what tshuva has to be. And from looking at all the points that you've shown us, um, the going into galus and kind of changing who you are, and these are all elements that we see that the, um, so I'm kind of going backwards and saying we're looking at David as the model for what tshuva has to be. Is it possible that, um, you know, where we're getting the steps of what tshuva has to involve. Okay, thank you very much. That's a great question. Um, no, I, I, I don't think that David Amelech is the um, inspiration for the Rambam's view. Um, the Rambam really, again, very subtly, I ran out of time. Um, I also left a uh, dangling um, you know, problem, so I, I appreciate your question because it gives me an opportunity to address that also. And I, just for the record, we didn't collude or anything. You know, in the questioning. But if you look very carefully at the language of the Rambam in uh, Perak Aleph um, of Hilchos uh, Tshuva Halacha Aleph, when he formulates Vidui, um, it's clear that, and the Nosei Kalin um, amplify it, it's clear that it's patterned after the Vidui that the Kohen Gadol um, actually um, articulates in the context of Avodos Yom Kippurim. Um, and that's really the source um, of Vidui. The Chiddush or the Rambam 
is uh, to see that as, um, you know, the foundation, you know, for Hilko's tshuva and for tshuva all year, all year round. Um, so getting back to a little puzzle that I mentioned uh, earlier, and I didn't get a chance to close that circle, but it's related to what I tried to present, is there's only one place where the Rambam downplays vidui, um, and he upgrades um, tshuva not to a, an assumption, um, you know, that's something that is so uh, indispensable that it for sure is, you know, that, that's obvious that you have to do tshuva. The question is how you do tshuva, and that is with regard to Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, the Rambam says that there's an obligation to do tshuva, and there he formulates the vidui in a very minimalist way. He says you have to simply say, avala nachnu chatanu. In the sources that we gave out, but I didn't get to discuss it, you know, the Lecha Mishnah is bothered by this. After all, in Perak Aleph, um, you know, the paradigm of vidui is very complex. It has all these components. It's not simply saying, avala nachnu chatanu. Um, and the uh, Abodas HaMelech, uh, who's actually Rab Menachem Karakovsky, Rav Soloveitchik's um, uncle on his, uh, on his mother's side, um, in his Sefer suggests something very radical. He says, when the Ramah says, Avala Nachnu Chatanu, it's almost like, you know, Vichule, you know, etc. Like, look what I wrote in Parakal. But that doesn't really, it's an interesting suggestion, but it's more of a foil than anything else. And I think the bigger idea is that the Rambam based Vidui on the Kohen Gadol's Vidui um, on Yom Kippur. Because um, Yom Kippur really highlights the Rambam's broader perspective on tshuva. The chatoim that we do all year round trigger the obligation of repentance. You can't be standing, you know, the merit. Um, the period that begins in Elul and, of course, you know, with all of the stages in the process, including last night's, um, you know, the beginning of Elul and the Tzlichos, uh, and then, of course, Rosh Hashanah and Aserosim Tshuva and culminating with Yom Kippur, Eislichum Mechila, you know, Liyachid Rabim, as Rambam puts it, in some respects it's an artificial um, framework. You haven't done more sins, you know, during this period or in the immediate run-up. You know, uh, some people say, you know, we do Tshuva, you know, after the summer because the summer <laughs> is such a challenging period. But, of course, you know, that may be practically true, but that's nothing to do uh, you know, with, um, you know, these, um, you know, processes. But the bigger idea is that at the beginning of the year when you're reevaluating your life and you're moving to the next stage and, um, you know, it's an opportunity to introspect, um, at that point, of course, you need to square any outstanding of Eros. But more to the point is Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, this whole period of time is about taking the opportunity you know, to deepen our commitment and to um, intensify our relationship. And therefore, the obligation to do tshuva on Yom Kippur is the equivalent of the intense vidui that we do all year round in the context of sin. The Ramam is almost telling us that these are two sides of the same coin. When the Ramam counts the mitzvah in Uchos Tshuva, he says there's only one mitzvah, and that is vidui. Yet he himself formulates a chiyuv tshuva on Yom Kippur. But the answer is, the artificial timing of Yom Kippur, because everything is so intense and because everything stands, you know, in the balance and the extra, you know, opportunity to catapult beyond the sin in, a, in the context of sin all year round are really two sides of the same coin. So that 
it's not a coincidence that the Rambam bases his innovative view of the centrality of Vidui on the coin Gadol on Yom Kippur, because, and it's also not a coincidence that that's the only time of Chiyuv Tshuva, and that for regular individuals, the Vidui is going to play less of a role, you know, during that period. The bigger picture is that you always want to get past the simple neutralization of your sin and the atonement that that brings. You want that always to be a further catalyst for a broader commitment in Avodah Hashem, and that all year round you have by invoking the equivalent of the Kohen Gadol's Vidui on Yom Kippur, which is what the Rambam is quoting, and on Yom Kippur itself, ironically but understandably, that becomes less central and more important is understanding that you know going forward requires uh, an assessment and a kind of a different perspective, but two sides of the same coin of Chuba as well. So that I think is the source. It's then the psukim about Dabra Melech and others, you know, they take on greater you know significance in light of this very deep conviction that the Rambam has based on Torah Shabbat Sab and the Moadim and the biblical, you know, um, obligations of what Shuvah is really all about. I once heard that Vidui is the Masa HaMitzvah of Shuvah because the other aspects of Shuvah are basically thought processes. Karatal HaAvar, Kabbalah HaAsid. Would that further explain what your, the, way, the framework that you gave for the Rambam? So... What you're saying, what you once heard, is a very famous uh, perspective that Rav Soloveitchik uh, developed uh, many, many times over the years, even in my tenure in, in the Rav Shir. Um, I heard him speak about this quite often, and it's written up in the uh, Tshuva Drushas of uh, Allah Tshuva that uh, Pinchas Peli um, published. Um, the Rav's solution to the problem of uh, why the Rambam emphasizes Vidui when Seemingly, tshuva is more central, and the textual evidence, just a little bit of which I mentioned earlier, which is the Gemara and Kiddushin and others that, that speak about tshuva. So Rav suggested a classic distinction between the Maisa mitzvah, how you perform the mitzvah, and what the mitzvah really is, the Kiyum Shabalev. And what he was arguing was that vidui is the method, but that the goal um, is, is repentance, um, is tshuva. Um, so I, I believe that that is true. Um, I like to think that I'm taking it um, a step further or trying to explain it or clarify it. So what I'm suggesting is that the vidui, which includes the components that you mentioned, by the way, the charata, the regret, the kabbalah la'asid, the you know, commitment to the future, the busha, the sense of you know, mortification, humiliation, you know, these are, are articulated you know, in the Rambam's Paragalit, Vidui, maybe not in his Yom Kippur Vidui, for the reasons I just explained. Um, but at the end of the day, um, what I'm trying to suggest is, why is this the Misa that fulfills this Kiyom? Because it highlights that the Kiyom itself is far broader and more ambitious and more aspirational you know, than you might have thought that Tshuva was. So for me, what I'm saying is, I'm not disagreeing so much, I'm saying that you need to take it one step further. The reason this is the best vehicle is because this vehicle also expands, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, the parameters, you know, of tshuva, you know, itself. And I will just add, you know, Soloveitchik's view, you know, which has a very strong basis, of course, and I, I try to incorporate it and, you know, uh, take it, uh, you know, a step further, 
Um, oftentimes, as he points out, the Rambam, in his Koteret, in his um, you know, introduction to Hilchus Tshuva, will speak about you know, um, the method, and then later on he'll speak about you know, the, the goal or the purpose. But I would like to add that often the Rambam also um, focuses on the methodology um, of doing a certain mitzvah in a way that reflects its expansiveness. So, for example, I'm not going to give you many examples because it takes too long, but if you look at Hilchus Ishus, um, the Rambam speaks about the method of Kiddushin. When you get married, you get married in a certain way, a halachic way, a two-stage process called Eresin and Nisuin. When divorce, sadly, takes place, um, there are certain requirements. When, when you want to eat meat, um, you have to undergo the process of shrita. And this you know, triggered a uh, huge literature. Should Rambam really be counting what we call matirim, you know, technical requirements? Shouldn't he be focusing, like, on the Israel mitzvah to eat meat? Is, you know, shouldn't he be discussing the mitzvah to get married? Um, but I think the answer in all cases is consistent with you know, what I'm trying to suggest, and that is that whenever the Rambam emphasizes an approach, a method, and that's what he seems to be zeroing in on when he articulates a particular mitzvah, it's always because that approach, when you analyze it and when you consider the alternatives and when you focus on the sanctity, Jewish, halakhic part of that approach, always expands the category. So the Rambam is telling us the way to get married reflects the broader a goal and aspiration and ambition for a marriage. Um, when you're going to eat meat, you have to do it with shechita. Shechita is really something that is borrowed from the world of karbanos, of kachit. Does that say, you know, this is a mini karban. Of course, you know, you're hungry. The meat, you know, tastes good. But you have to also first relate to it against the background and the context of a davrashibikdusha. So that's really kind of what I'm suggesting is that the Rambam says, Bidu isn't just an effective vehicle, just like shofar is not just an effective way you know, to bring our zechronos and to proclaim malchios. The shofar on Rosh Hashanah and the shechita in eating meat and the vidui in tshuva is a, is a testament to the more expansive you know, principle that the Allah really is trying. Very quickly, just answer the question um, about B'nai Yisrael and Midbar. The uh, reality in the Midbar was that mostly you had either Moshe being the representative or Aharon being the representative of B'nai Yisrael. So there is Vidui, but it's Moshe who is asking forgiveness for B'nai Yisrael. And there we also see this process where the first time he goes up and Hashem says, I won't destroy them, but that's not enough. For Moshe, so they, you know, don't wear their special clothing, and they react in a certain way. But we don't have the words of Vidu, but it's Moshe who says, "Yes, they sinned." So in the Midbar, we mostly have Moshe acting as the intermediary. We have the mitzvah of Vidu of Aaron Cohen for Bnei Israel, and the goal of Moshe is not just don't destroy Bnei Israel, but that uh, he goes up again and he says, "You have to travel Bikir Benu." And also with the Miraglim, so we have Moshe davening for them, but we don't have the vidui, and the sin is 
um, really kind of lessened, and their punishment is not going to be immediate, but they are going to die in the Midbar over the 40 years. So there is a kind of vidui and tefillah, but it is through um, Moshe Rabbeinu. So in, in, in the Midbar, it's mostly the leaders uh, of Am Yisrael doing it for B'nai Yisrael, and, and not so much that, you know, we have in, in the in Sukin that B'nai Yisrael, you know, are doing it, uh, you know, on their own. We'll take one more. The theme seems to be that Vidui is transformative. And yet we find, regardless of whatever transformation a person goes through, if a person is Chayev Misa because he committed a certain sin, he's Chayev Misa and, he, and Bezden carries that out. It seems that David Melch had particular latitude with that. And despite the sins that he may or may not have committed, the Novi seems to say that he's Chayev Misa but Bezdin never carried that out. Um, so whatever riots, whatever uh, lessons you seem to be drawing from Dover Melech and his vidui, Dover Melech seems to be an exception to the rule because the fact of the matter is he wasn't put to death by Bezdin for the various sins that he committed. And whatever tshuva he did, God has his plan, and God wants to do what God does. So Dabur Melech is, a, I think, a poor example to bring forth what it means to do tshuva. Okay. Um, the, uh, the general point, which is that tshuva is not a, um, you know, a magical um, uh, antidote and that the person still has to answer for his crimes, especially halachic crimes or defined halachic crimes, is certainly obviously true. It's clear in, uh, you know, in the Psukim, and it's clear in the Mishnayas in uh, Masachat Shavuos and Yoma, and it's very clear right from the very beginning of um, the Ramon's presentation in Hukas Tshuva, where he talks about, based on the Mishnayas end of Yoma and Shavuos, um, the impact of uh, Yom Kippur, and this is a very complicated topic, um, Yom Kippur and Tshuva, Without Yom Kippur, with the Sira Mishdaleach, there are numerous, um, um, you know, pieces, you know, in Tshuva and in Kapara. Um, it's a far bigger topic than we can do here on Regalachas. Um, what what are the principles that emerge are that Tshuva is not uh, Tshuva is a, is, is a perspective and it's a way forward. Um, for certain Chatoim, there is Mechila. For other Chatoim, there is a delay. Um, for still others, you know, there you know, is um, some sort of atonement, you know, in the world to come, escaping Gehenna. Um, all of these ranges are discussed in, you know, literature way before the Rambam, and the Rambam has his own, you know, particular chidushim about those, um, especially in the first parak, you know, of Hilchus Tshuva as well. The takeaway, and this is very important, you know, it's important that, you know, Tshuva is not a magic wand and it's not a panacea. Um, I mentioned earlier that the Rambam in Parakei Hilchus Tshuva, you know, has a chapter dedicated to concept of Bechira Kavshis, and the, you know, if there were no accountability and people could just, you know, wave away their, you know, their um, uh, uh, fractions, um, that would be, you know, somewhat disappointing. So, obviously, tshuva is uh, enormously important on many levels, and it impacts, um, practically, uh, people's uh, fate um, in different ways, depending on the severity of the sin, 
you know, and other factors as well. Even when the Rambam speaks about you know, something that uh, Professor Rosenzweig also quoted, you know, about changing your name and the transformational aspect, Mishana, Shemo, you know, it's important to know that the, even the Rambam there explains that, you know, if you're, as you said, if you have a capital, you know, punishment based on a particular Maisa Vera that you did, you know, that, that doesn't go away. Just like we say that a Gershon is Gaier is Kekata Chinola Dami, when a person who converts, you know, it's like he starts a new, a fresh page, he has a new identity. But if he, you know, had... Uh, you know, um, infractions as a Ben Noach, you know, it's not, a, um, it's not an escape from that. People have to be accountable. But the range of how that accountability, you know, is expressed um, is uh, very complex. And I think that, you know, the circumstance of Dovan Melech, Chazal also think we're very complex. Uh, there are different views as to, you know, whether or not, you know, he explicitly did certain Averos, whether, you know, there were uh, extenuating circumstances. Um, there's a whole literature on that. So I don't think it's a poor example at all. I just think it's a complex example, which highlights the um, necessity for Vidui and also the impact of Vidui. But because uh, of his situation and because of a lot of the ambiguities around both his sin and his um, punishment, um, I think it just expresses itself differently, and in the broader context of uh, that broader question, I don't think that's surprising. I just think it's you know part of um, our challenge, you know, to figure out all of the moving uh, pieces. I think that also, I think that also is what motivates, and what we see is uh, such an underpinning in. Uh, Hazal that um, we don't really understand, just to highlight, that we don't understand all the details, uh, really, of the chet because, um, you know, of how, you know, Hashem really, you know, punishes him. But again, in Tanakh, where we have, you know, Dvar Hashem a little more uh, explicit, we see, um, you know, that Hashem really makes these, you know, decisions uh, in, in our lives and that the connection that, um, you know, David has you know, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and again, you know, what was the chet, all the different, um, you know, details, but I think the main idea and the takeaway, uh, you know, is the, you know, tefillah. We don't know what the result would have been. You know, when he's davening and does vidu, he doesn't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, forgiven, but that that is his um, access point, you know, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, you know, he's, you know, putting everything uh, out there, and, you know, he's trying uh, you know, to really, you know, connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, on, on that level through Vidui, through, um, you know, Tefillah. Uh, 